If you want to know what is really happening in the world today, you need to read the Parsha HaShavua, the weekly Torah reading. Join Rabbi Mendel Lipska for the next hour as he delves and enumerates the themes running through the weekly Torah Parsha, only on 101.9 High FM. And a wonderful Erev Shabbos to all of you. Great to be with you again. Spend some time, speak about the Parsha, speak about the time that we're living in, speak about the unique moments of Adar, the double Adar. 60 days of joy, of intense joy, Marbin Basimcha, where we add not only to the quantity of joy, but the quality of joy, a joy that permeates our lives, a joy that removes darkness, removes confusion, removes anything that stands in our way of, well, simply fulfilling our purpose on this earth in the most meaningful sort of way. And this is the time of the year, a gift from God, a leap year, a year that is energized with tremendous dimensions of joy. And as we've been speaking about the last couple of weeks, a joy that is strong enough and powerful enough to uplift us to a level where we begin to see things not only objectively, but we see things from a perspective of absolute truth. We live today in a world that is obsessed with lies, with absolute delusional views of life. We listen to the radio, we watch news on television, we hear people speak, and we're astounded at what comes out of people's mouths. A complete distortion of reality, a complete distortion of truth. And despite the fact that we try and argue to articulate the truth, the fact remains the vast majority of people simply refuse to listen to truth. And this is why the antidote, the response is joy. It gives us hope. It gives us strength. It gives us the ability not only to cope, not only to survive, but to live fully and to understand that despite this honesty, despite the delusion that exists in the world that has somehow, well, taken control of leaders, of people, of, well, policy makers, decision makers in this world, the media, we stand with absolute clarity because this is what the power of joy, of simcha, is all about. As we've spoken, simcha parrots gether. Simcha is able to break down all sorts of obstacles in every sense of the word emotional obstacles, spiritual obstacles, psychological obstacles. And what the world is facing now is psychological warfare. When people keep on telling lies and trying to convince others that the lie is the truth, that's psychological warfare. And the only way you can combat that is not only by telling the truth, but by also introducing a tr an element of simcha the element and energy of joy, because simcha parrots geder. Our sages tell us that joy breaks down obstacles. When those who try to cripple us with the delusional lies that they introduce into the world, and they see that we stand joyfully with hope, with purpose, with determination, this is what weakens them. This is what breaks them down. And this is why this year, more than ever, 
we have to stand strong and present not only a face of joy, but an actual expression and feeling of joy. We have to stand strong. We have to show the world that we as a people will not buckle. We will not fall. We will not allow ourselves to be taken by the psychological war that's taken place trying to bring us down. We will see truth at all times. We will be in a state of joy, a joy that brings unity, a joy that brings hope, a joy that brings out from within us the inner dimensions of the eternity that we possess. We are the people who stood at Sinai. We are the people who received the Torah. We are the people who survived every single thing that the nations of the world has thrown at us and we stand proud we stand with tremendous nobility we stand with a sense of purpose and with greatness and this is what this year the double month of Adar is all about 60 days Hashem has given us the added gift of 30 more days of joy and the question has been raised, how do we know what's a joy, what's a simcha, and what's, well, superficial and sometimes harmful frivolity? You sometimes look at people and you see that perhaps their joyousness is not in fact simcha. It's something which is dangerous, something which is the opposite of simcha. It's a type of glee which can be destructive. One of the tests, one of the indicators that allow us to understand if in fact simcha, joy, is genuine and real, is does the joy that you experience allow for the inclusion of others? Or is the joy that you experience, well, very selfish, very self-centered? Generally speaking, one of the fundamental differences between simcha joy and depression is depression is very selfish, very self-centered. A person who is depressed thinks about themselves, thinks about their own situation, really cares very little about others and won't allow others to enter into their lives unless, of course, it's centered towards them. Whereas true joy is inclusive. A person wants to share. A person wants others to be involved. A person wants to welcome the presence of others into their lives. And this is an indicator if joy is genuine. Does it allow for the inclusion of others? Does it allow for the presence of others? Does it allow for others to be involved in the experience that you're going through? And if it does, if it's a joy that brings about a state of welcoming others, if it allows for others to be involved in your experience, then you must know that this is real joy. But if the so-called joy that you're experiencing is very self-centered, is selfish, is directed only toward your personal 
pleasure only toward your personal benefits, it's not real joy. It's perhaps something which is the opposite of joy. It may appear at certain levels to mimic joy, but it's not a joy. And this is something which is so important for us to understand. We have to recognize and realize that in order for joy to be fully experienced, it has to bring about a state of unity, inclusive, bringing others into our own ambit, bringing others into our own experience, to reach out, to have the necessary type of humility to recognize that others exist, that others should form part of our reality. And it's this joy, this simcha, that brings about this incredible feeling, the upliftment that comes about as a result of a joyous unity that is truly strong, that is able to break down every barrier, every obstacle. This type of unity, this type of joyous unity is able to break down any type of destructive psychological enemy that stands in our way. More of that soon. This is the Pasha Hashavua with Rabbi Mendel Lipska, only on 101.9 High FM. Let's take a look at the Parsha. The Parsha is Kitisa. An incredible, the problematic Parsha. Complex, difficult. A parsha that speaks to us about, well, begins with the half shekel that each and every one had to present and a type of tax. It speaks to us about, well, one of the most tragic moments in Jewish history, the story of the golden calf and how Moshe had to break the luchot, the tablets that God gave him, which were engraved in God's own hand, so to speak, of the Ten Commandments, and then the overtures that Moshe makes to God to uh, plea for forgiveness so the Jewish people could be spared, and God does forgive them, and not only that, but he gives them incredible opportunities of kapara, of, uh, well, he brings about atonement at the highest levels, the second luchot, etc. It's, it's, it's a complicated parsha. A parsha that, on the one hand, opens with the story of the half shekel, and then it somehow brings to mind all sorts of painful moments, and then times of forgiveness, the second luchot, the second tablets, etc., etc. What's this parsha really all about? And what's very puzzling is what commentary tells us that when Moshe was instructed by God to tell the Jewish people that they had to give a half shekel, Moshe had difficulty in picturing what the half shekel was all about. And commentary wonders, what's so difficult to imagine what a half shekel looks like? When it came to the uh, menorah, which was an object of incredible beauty, and it had to be hammered from one solid piece of gold. And we're told that Moshe had difficulty in how it should be manufactured and how it should look. We can understand that such an object as the menorah, the candelabrum, would be something difficult, perhaps, for Moshe to picture. But a half shekel? 
And the answer is follows. He didn't have difficulty in picturing what a half shekel would look like. What his difficulty was that the half shekel was kofar nafshah. God says, by giving the half shekel, this will bring about a spiritual ransom for the soul of the individual that gives the half shekel. And Moshe wondered, how is it possible by simply contributing a half shekel, a person is able to achieve kofar nafshah. He's able to achieve such levels of atonement and ransom for his soul by giving a half shekel. How is this possible? And Rashi points out in the name of the sages that God showed him a half shekel made out of fire. And Moshe understood it was not only giving this piece of metal, a coin, worth a half shekel, but it had to be with fire. It had to be done with tremendous passion. This half shekel had to be contributed with a tremendous sense of excitement and devotion. And then, of course, it becomes kofar nafsha. It becomes something that a person's able to redeem his soul. It becomes an atonement, a ransom. It elevates an individual to a higher level. But the Torah emphasizes half shekel because the word half shekel suggests very strongly a tremendous dimension of humility, the half. Half indicates that you're not completely whole on your own. In your relationship with God, you're only half. You are dependent upon the other half that God contributes. What makes you whole is your interaction with Him. On a human level, a relationship with a fellow human being, marriage, parents and children, friends. The half dimension within the human being indicates that a human being is never ever complete on their own. A person is whole only when there is the other, whether the other is the Almighty Himself, whether the other is the partner in life. The other is the one that completes the individual. But in order to allow for the other to exist, it takes tremendous humility to recognize that you're only a half, that you are dependent upon and you need the other to complete the wholeness of your life and vice versa. So does the other need you to complete the wholeness in their life. And this is what we spoke about before in terms of simcha, in terms of joy. What is true, authentic, genuine simcha, joy all about? When it includes others, when it includes a true other, when there's a godliness within the expression of your joy, when there is another individual that completes and complements the wholeness in your life. That's what real joy is all about. But that takes humility. That is the half shekel. That is something which takes tremendous sense of discipline. It takes effort. 
because unfortunately a great many people are very well egotistical and self-centered and very selfish and when you allow self to dominate your thoughts your heart your mind you don't allow for others to enter you might tolerate you might allow for an aspect of other to enter into your life to the degree that it benefits you but unless there is true humility in your life unless you truly recognize that you really are completely dependent upon another for wholeness in your life and certainly dependent upon God Almighty to enter into your life it's very difficult to experience the concept of true joy and this is where the half shekel that we read about in the Parsha of Kitisa when you will count the Jewish people when you will identify them one by one remind them that although you're counting them one by one and each individual counts and each individual is a whole world and each individual is an amazing creation of God with tremendous talents tremendous abilities and infinite things that only that individual is able to contribute to God's creation remind them as well that during life they mustn't forget the message of the half shekel that in order for them to fulfill their own uniqueness it can't be done on their own they will forever need the presence of Hashem of a partner this is what Kitisa is telling us right at the outset but it doesn't really end over there. It doesn't really end over there. What is the root cause of what brings about the opposite of Simcha? What is the cause of, well, I'm not gonna speak about depression, but what won't allow us to be joyous? Is it, well, what happens around us? Is it the difficulty of the challenges of life? Not necessarily. The root cause of what won't allow many people to feel a sense of joy is doubt, uncertainty. When a person is uncertain about what they should do, what they shouldn't do, where they should go, What's the future going to bring? Must I go? Must I stay? When a person allows too many confusing elements and thoughts to enter into their mind, a person can't be happy. They are plagued by the uncertainty and confusion of their lives. Interesting to note that the arch enemy of the Jewish people is Amalek. And the numerical value of Amalek equals the numerical value of Suffolk, of doubt. This is the arch enemy of a person.
the Yetzirah, the evil inclination, doesn't necessarily tell us to do something which is wrong, to be sinful. That's only one dimension of his, well, evil machinations. What he really does is he introduces confusion and doubt into our minds, not to allow certainty, clarity. And without certainty and without clarity, there cannot be simcha, there cannot be joy. And this is why the parsha is called ki tisa, which means when you count, it also means when you elevate. What happens when a person is elevated? When a person is elevated, your perspective changes. When you're down and involved in a situation, your perspective of the situation is limited by the involvement of your own situation. But when you stand higher, objectivity enters into your perspective and you see things a lot clearer. This is part of the half-shekel experience as well. Not only humility, not only recognizing the need for other, but also to develop an objectivity that comes through the wisdom of Torah. To see clarity in your life, to see certainty in your life, and to introduce a dimension of simcha, of joy. More of that soon. This is the Pasha HaShavua with Rabbi Mendel Lipska, only on 101.9 High FM. We're talking about how confusion and doubt are able to cripple an individual, not to allow joy to enter life, not to allow a person to get on with life in the fullest sense of the word, and how confusion and doubt is something which is perhaps the ultimate enemy in life. And as I said, the word Amalek, the archenemy of the Jewish people, and Suffolk, doubt, have the same numerical value. And this is why later in the Parsha, when we read about that horrific story of the golden calf, how does it all begin? Does it begin where suddenly the Jewish people want to become idolatrous? Or do they want to deny the... Uh, the experience at Sinai, or do they want to, God forbid, behave in an immoral and, well, sinful way? No, that's not the way it begins. It begins by the Jewish people suddenly realizing Kiboshish Moshe. Moshe was delayed in coming down from the mountain from heaven. You know, he said they would be back in 40 days, and they weren't sure if it was 40 days or was it the 41st day? And there was doubt, confusion. They were uncertain. And because of this uncertainty, because of this confusion, one thing led to another, and a golden calf was made. In other words, this horrific, this unbelievable tragic moment began with a moment of doubt, with a moment of confusion, with a moment of uncertainty. And this is what brought about the incredible disaster of the golden calf. And when you think about it, doubt, uncertainty, is something which is able to enter into our lives. And the only way to respond to it is to remove it instantly. You can't deal with doubt and uncertainty by a 
allowing it to fester, allowing it to somehow take possession of our feelings, of our thoughts, because all it will do is it will take hold of our ability to live life the way we should. And it's infectious. It begins to influence and infect those around us as well. A person's home becomes a place of uncertainty and doubt and confusion. And suddenly, everyone around one becomes, well, an instrument of doubt. And this is why we have to have simcha. We have to have joy, which means we have to look for clarity. We have to look for certainty and look for people who have the ability to recognize clarity. Righteous people, holy people, people who are wise in the ways of Torah, people who are wise in the ways of Torah teaching, because that's where clarity comes from. That's where certainty comes from. And the Haftarah that we don't read every year because of the makeup of the year, but this year because of the two Adars, we come across in the Haftarah the amazing story of the prophet Elisha and how he challenges the hundred, well, false prophets of Baal at the Carmel Mountain. And he says, let's see whose God is greater yours or mine. Read the Haftarah, it's an interesting, it's an amazing story, dramatic and beautiful. And what does he say? Does he say to the people, you're sinful, that you're serving idols? No. What he says to them, why are you involved in two ways of life? You want to serve God, then serve God exclusively. And you want to serve Baal, then serve Baal exclusively. But why are you sitting a little bit with God and a little bit with Baal, the idol? In other words, uncertainty, confusion. Have the courage of standing up and saying, this is where I belong. And this again brings to tremendous disaster as we read in the story of Elisha. Miraculously, of course, there's a dramatic miracle, a dramatic miracle where the entire nation sees the truth of God. But what does Elisha, Elijah, say to the people? Either serve God or serve Baal. But don't live a life of a little bit of this and a little bit of that because that will only bring confusion. And this is one of the tragedies of a modern age. A little bit of this and a little bit of that. And we'll somehow make a mixture which we'll find acceptable to our way of life. No, you won't. It will only bring confusion. It will only bring chaos. And we've seen that time and again in history, where there was clarity and certainty, there was tremendous, tremendous hope, tremendous sense of joy, even in the most difficult circumstances. And where there was, well, confusion and uncertainty, even though things looked peaceful, they were anything but. Internally, there was chaos and there was loss, and there was tremendous confusion. And this is why this Parsha is so important, particularly during this time. 
because this is a time of tremendous reckoning for every one of us, I'm sure is thinking more than a moment or two. Where do I stand? Where do I belong? Who am I? And I can't allow, I can't allow those who hate me to define who I am. I have to allow authentic sources to define who I am. And I have to allow truth and joy to define who I am. And this is why it's so important to turn to the words of Torah and to look to the words of Torah and seek out what is the truth? What is the joy that I'm looking for? What is the identity that is uniquely mine that I can stand proud with nobility, pass it on to my children and children's children? And this is why when you're in shul tomorrow and be in shul tomorrow, it's a fascinating parsha with all sorts of dramatic moments all sorts of interesting details and stories and listen and listen carefully and try to derive as much as you can from the Parsha of the week. And as I always say, there's going to be one, or perhaps more than one, but at least one thing that speaks to you directly. Try and listen. Listen for that particular message because it's going to say something extremely important for you and for your life. And therefore, listen and listen carefully. Good Shabbos.